When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is your moment. Your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Spectrum Internet has enough speed to handle all your needs, so you can work, game, and stream with speeds up to a gig. Plus, Spectrum's advanced Wi-Fi provides enhanced security for all your connected devices. Get Spectrum Internet with fast and reliable speeds, starting at just $29.99 a month with a two-year price guarantee. Visit spectrum.com slash internet for you for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Restrictions apply. say about about being black is that it does not come with any luxuries the luxuries that media may may say is a luxury it's not because of the way america is set up those things that we may be naturally good at or that we may have naturally are oftentimes the things that save us or put us in better situations and that's not a luxury it's all we've got Happy Monday, guys. I hope you're having a good start to your week. Uh, if you notice, you are only hearing my voice on the uh, mic today. And that is because I have a bit of news for y'all who are regular listeners um, to the podcast. If this is your first episode, then it won't really matter. But if it's not and you've been following along, it might matter a little bit to you. So after some hard conversations and time, Megan has decided to step away from the podcast. If you've been listening from the beginning, you'll remember that I started the podcast by myself and after recording with Megan, we thought it would be really fun to do this thing together. And really, I'm being honest, it was really fun. However, life is changing and both Megan and I have to be very cognizant of what and how we spend our time and energy on because we are human and also because of the nature of our jobs and our careers. So both of our lives are moving and changing a lot. Uh, You guys know, you've heard Megan talk about her getting married and all of that, what that looks like. Um, We no longer work in the same office and there's just a lot of things happening in my life as well and everything is happening fast. And so Megan just decided that she wants and needs to put her energy into things that best move her into the career and direction and and personal space she wants to be in. And that is okay. What I want everybody to know is that there is no juicy gossip here. There's, there was no fight. There's no fallout. There was just a bunch of conversations of us 
trying to make this work and get both of our needs met and then a conversation where we realized that that was not possible we are still friends i'm sure she'll be a guest on the podcast again there is nothing um, negative to say about what happened we just both decided that there's not space for all of the things we want in every area of our life and sometimes you have to pick and choose and megan just decided to pick and choose and that's fine so um we love what she has given to us and i would encourage you to continue to follow her and and um keep her as part of your uh, online community if that's something that you value and um we wish her the best now to the episode so i am very excited about this episode and to be honest I also am very fearful and anxious. The past couple of weeks, I know I have had no shortage of feelings. I also know that many of you have had no shortage of feelings. So this episode is going to be a little bit different than really what I'm used to doing. I'm well aware that this episode is going to be an episode that can and will result in some disagreement and a loss of some listeners, and I'm okay with that. The past couple of weeks have woken me up in a new way and I feel a lot of guilt myself about the luxury I've had I have been in I've been able to be in as I've been able to ignore the issues that are finally being taken seriously today in regards to the black community and just race in general and my white privilege at the same time this episode isn't really about me it's not really about my guilt. This episode is about figuring out what we can do and what I can do as a white person in order to stop making things about me. So I wanted to open up a space for a very real conversation. I've been having somebody who's pretty close to me and we've been having um, a string of conversations over the past couple of weeks. And I'm going to ask this person some questions that's been that have been coming up for me and also questions that have been coming up for my friends and community questions that they would be hesitant to bring up or ask themselves. Before we get started, I do have a couple of things I want to say about white privilege and about the Black Lives Matter movement that's happening right now. There is no way we can deny that white privilege is a thing. White privilege is a thing. It's a real thing. And before we get into this conversation that I recorded, there are a couple things I want to say. One, what is white privilege? For a lot of people, this is a new concept and a concept that at first was a little bit confusing. It might still be confusing now. So having white privilege and recognizing it is not recognizing that you're racist. It doesn't mean that you're racist. Having white privilege doesn't mean that you're racist. But white privilege exists because of historic, enduring racism and bias. So, one, what is a bias? A bias is a conscious or unconscious prejudice against an individual or a group based on their identity. Okay? And then, what is racism? Racism is what happens when those bias or those beliefs translate into action. For example... Um, a person might unconsciously believe that a person of color is more likely to commit a crime or be dangerous. That, that would be a bias that somebody would have. Um, that person might become anxious if they perceive a black person is angry. That stems from a bias. These biases become racism through actions raging all over the place. So a person crosses the street to avoid walking next to a group of black people. A person calls 911 to report um, a black person who 
isn't really doing anything wrong. They just suspect it because of the, the color of their skin. So if you see, like, you have your bias, like, in your head, you're uncon- and most of the time they're unconscious because they've been passed down, and then it turns into racism when we take those bias and then we act upon them. Okay, so back to white privilege. We have been given white privilege based on, like I said, the historic enduring racism and bias. So the things that have been going on and just the things that like have been passed down from generations about different groups of people. White privilege we have because of those bias. White privilege doesn't mean you're racist, but we have it because that exists. So what is it? It is not the assumption that everything a white person has accomplished is not earned themselves a lot of times white people are successful because they have worked hard that is not what we're saying and i talk about that in the podcast but white privilege is really should be viewed as it's like a built-in advantage that we get to have separate of anything else it's almost like we get to start three steps ahead or like we don't have to take three steps that otherwise people of color would have to take if that makes any sense and and we'll talk more about it but i i think it's hard for people to have these conversations around white privilege because we want to say oh we're not racist but hold on wait we're not saying that you're racist we're saying that you just have an extra edge that other people don't and at the same time let's really look at that defensiveness of oh i'm not racist because there could be an unconscious bias that you have not because you're a bad person just because of the world you grew up in. So um, we're going to look at that. And again, you're not a bad person for having white privilege. You can't help it. I don't want you to think anything that we're saying in this um, podcast is saying that you are a bad person or sending the message that white people are bad because that's not true. And then thirdly, this episode is not about making me feel better. Like I said about my guilt or making you feel better. It's not about any of that this episode is in no way to an attempt to better white people or take care of white people's feelings we're all set when it comes to that like we're good this is not about us yes we have to take care of ourselves and there are so many episodes that are all about you taking care of you this is not if you are a white person this is not about you taking care of you okay it's about figuring out how and what we need to do to help the black community and other communities that have been oppressed because of our privilege not because they're less than us us being white people but because they have been treated like they are less than us so this week i have somebody really special on the show his name is paul gator and um (laughs) he mentions this himself a couple times but you can find him on instagram paul p-a-u-l the gator g-a-i-t-e-r um (laughs) i'm laughing because yeah just go follow him um i met paul about a year and a half ago and we have had somewhat of an interesting relationship but in the past couple of weeks i have learned so much from him he has opened up a space for me to ask and feel comfortable and feel okay being uncomfortable he has taught me some really tough things and has opened my eyes in a lot of new ways and here's the thing he actually didn't have to do any of that and he also didn't have to come talk on the podcast either i'm well aware of how much this isn't his job to sit with me while i navigate my unconscious bias but he did and i am so 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 grateful 
for him doing that. Now, the last thing I'm going to say before we jump into our conversation is that you don't have to agree with everything we talk about. And if you feel triggered during the episode, I would encourage you to take a break, process the information, and then come back to it later. If you feel uncomfortable during the episode, good. That is pretty much the point. If you are a white person and feel uncomfortable, we have to start getting uncomfortable because our comfort has been keeping our black friends uncomfortable for years and change is not going to happen if we do, if we choose to stay in this comfort zone. Now, before I bring um, this conversation with Paul on, he did ask me at the end of the, of the conversation, he brought this up. He asked me to ask y'all to think about and imagine what he looks like. He, I'll give you a couple. He's a black man and he's 6'1". So if you want to take a mental note of what comes up for you imagery wise, when you imagine him before he gets talking and then, um, continue to think about that throughout the episode and then we'll go full circle to that at the end. And, and now without any more waiting, here is my conversation with Paul. All right. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. So... I already talked about Paul in the intro, so you guys kind of have a little bit of background of who he is um, and uh, how I kind of know him, but I would like to give him a chance before we get started. Uh, tell us what he would want us to know about him before we have this conversation. So what would you like the people listening to know specifically about you? Um, that I'm just a regular guy. Um, I come from a uh, the average American family. My mother was a school teacher. My father was a uh, pastor and um, born and raised uh, throughout the Southeast. Um, so the dirty South, as some people call it. Um, and I've literally lived in every state um, in the Southeast. Really? Yes. What does that, what does the Southeast encompass? Florida. Florida, Georgia, Mississippi. Alabama. You live in Mississippi? Tennessee. That's all that's in the Southeast? Tenalja. What is that? Tenalja. What is that? Does it's that spell everything those? except for Mississippi. Wait, you lived in Mississippi? When? Years ago. I didn't know that. Well, you don't know everything. Oh, I'm finding that out. I'm learning a lot of things about you. <laughs> One more thing I would uh, want you guys to know before we have this conversation is that yeah. I am only three generations away from slavery. My grandmother's father was born a slave now how that works for me is my grandmother had my mother when she was 42 years old my, my mom is the youngest of seven children um so my grandmother was born in 1909 and my grandmother's father was born in 1864 <sighs> the emancipation proclamation was signed in 1863 but the last news did not get to all of the slave plantations uh, until 1865, which is the record on record mm -hmm. um, Juneteenth. If you guys ever mm -hmm. heard of Juneteenth, that is Next the week. last date that um, uh, the, that slaves were actually finally freed here in America. That's how close slavery is to me. Mm -hmm. So, so when you say that, so I've got some stories. Yeah. Well, and so when you say that and what do you want people to hear in the fact that your great grandfather was born into slavery? That I hear something very loud. There's a lot that I think I want people to hear. I think number one is that it wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. 
right? Um, for everybody in this country, right? For some people, yeah, there are several generations. For me, there's only three. It wasn't that long ago, which means that the trauma is is very fresh, mm-hmm. right? Which also means that there is no, you know, obviously you, there's no time where it takes for someone to get over something. I mean, that's what I heard is that like this isn't an old issue. This is like a current issue. No, and, yeah, um, it's modern. Yeah, it's very modern. So I think that that is a good piece of information to think about as Paul is talking through all these things. Is that. It, we might get the luxury of being like it was so far ago no, because just nobody we can experienced have, it. But technology is fast. Just yeah. because we have FaceTime now doesn't mean that you know it wasn't that long ago mm-hmm. that slaves were yeah know, that that to be a slave uh, was was a like a, a legal thing yeah. in this country. It's only recently been illegal, yeah. and there was still illegal slavery years after that. Yeah. Right. So. Okay, so I asked everybody the same couple questions before we get started. The first question I would like to ask you, or I'm going to ask you one of them, is have you ever been to therapy? Yes. You have. Okay. When I was, believe in it. You believe in it. It is wonderful. It, when I swear the, by it. When is the first time you went? The first time I ever went to therapy was, I want to say about three years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a new believer in therapy. Mm-hmm. I won't say I'm a new believer. Um, I think I, I think I, yeah, a new, a new goer. I think I always believed in therapy and always believed that it was, it was something that was crucial and vital, um, for, for mental health. Um, but But you never had a reason um, to go. Oh no, I had reasons to go. (laughs) I I definitely had reasons to go, um, um, from, you know, different traumatic experiences that I, that I had growing up, but it wasn't until my adult life, I kind of like got to a place where uh, it was important for me to to understand why I do these things or why I am the way that I am and um and having a therapist to, to guide me uh through those deep emotional spaces uh was very important yeah did you have a male or a female therapist I had a female therapist did you want a female therapist I wanted a therapist it didn't matter oh, really it didn't matter it didn't matter um because at at the state that I was in yeah I was, I was ready to cry out. I was willing, mm. um, and I think, uh, of course, for it, it, it takes time for 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 people to get to that point where they are willing. Mm-hmm. But I was so broken that it didn't matter who I spoke to. I just wanted someone to listen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was I was willing, and uh, yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. That's a great movie, by the way. But thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. I've seen that. You've seen it's that? so good. I've seen that like a hundred times. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, I, I was love told Mark Ruffalo. I was told to watch it when I was in grad school, as it is a good because there's so many movies that have addiction in the movie, but it's not really what it looks like. Yeah, but that movie is, it's is what exactly it looks like. What it looks like. Yes, it's so freaking good. Um, I forgot about that movie. Yeah. Um. Okay. All right. What we're going to do today, I will say, I usually do not get nervous or anxious when I do these podcasts because I usually am, know what I'm talking about and I'm the expert and don't really think much about the episodes. I just am like, this is what we're going to do. I know what we're going to talk about. So here we go. This one, I will say, as I have told you, I have heightened anxiety over my normal anxiety. And so the other day, Paul and I maybe a week or two weeks ago 
had a conversation we started to have a series of conversations about um the differences of being black and white in america and what that looks like and feels like based on each of our experiences so paul's black i'm white and i have learned many things from him in the last two weeks some of which i will say i've had a little bit of like well not a little bit i think a lot of it of shame and guilt and sadness over me learning this at 30 rather than learning it when that was probably more appropriate to learn it like when i was born or when i was a kid or Mm -hmm. any other time but when you're 30 so today what we're going to do is talk about some of those things that i have learned and then also ask ask some questions that i have gotten from friends and clients and just people um on the interwebs and we're just going to have a conversation and i'm probably going to say something that is wrong or offensive or i don't know i'm probably just going to say some things what i want to start with is i want Paul to explain when I went to your house and I, which obviously I would have loved to know what you were really thinking and was talking to you about the stuff the other week. And you said, uh, you said two things. One, do you mind if I share some of this? No. no, Okay. Go right ahead. One. And if I share something, you're like, Oh, I don't want you to say that we can take it out. But one, you kind of laughed at me. Do you remember doing that? Yeah. 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 And what I took from that and what I remember, I don't know if I, I could have made some of this up in just like my anxiety brain, but you just being like, uh, you said like, I'm not really laughing at you, but it's funny because like you are so anxious and worried about this. And like, this is just my life. Yeah. Do you remember saying that? Yeah. And I thought that was very impactful for me. And um, for one, and I think a lot of, my experience of white people are feeling that of they are so anxious to talk or do something or not do something because of what any black person is going to think. And we don't want to keep doing the wrong thing. And I don't know that you guys, I'm not sure. I'm, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. And the other thing you said is you can only speak for yourself because you're not every black person. So I do want to right. say that, Yeah. but I'm not, I would like to know how you feel when we approach the subject. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, Are you laughing at me now in your head? I am. I am. <laughs> I, 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 well, I'm laughing at the uh, the way that you pose the question. Correct me if I'm wrong. Essentially, you're wondering, um, I guess, what black people feel when they are approached by, white, maybe... by white people with questions about race. Yes, but okay. What I'm ask, what I'm asking is, you as a black person. Mm-hmm. What do you think and feel when white people... Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm asking. That's what you're asking. And okay. that was a really... I, yep, that's okay. I get We're what gonna you're work saying. We're going to work through it. Okay, work through it. Um, so, yes. Uh, first of all, what I can say about, about being black is that it does not come with any luxuries. Okay? The luxuries that media may, may say is a luxury, it's not. What luxury would media say? The For luxury? instance, um, or I won't say, well, I say media because media is the way that, unfortunately, most of America learns things. Most of the world learns things through media without doing their own personal research or reading or having a conversation with someone. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't 
always rely on the news to tell you what's going on in your community. Take your keys, go get in your car, go find out yourself. But, for example, the luxuries of I'm a male um, and people would always assume that I had the luxury of automatically being great at sports. That's not true. <laughs> um, well, But you are great at sports. I am. I am an athlete. However, um, it's not a luxury, right, when you're, when you're black to be great at sports, or it's not a luxury if you're a black woman to have a big butt, or, or it's not a luxury to, I don't know, there, there are many things that, that media may perceive as, as luxuries about b- being black, like not having to wear sunscreen or something like that, yeah. something totally outrageous. Those things are not luxuries, and I'll tell you why. Because of the way America is set up, those things that we may be naturally good at or that we may have naturally are oftentimes the things that save us or put us in better situations. And that's not a luxury. It's all we've got. Mm-hmm. And, and we love it. We appreciate it and we honor it um, from our ancestors who possess those things or, or people before us who possess those things or, or, or what have you, and we have a great sense of appreciation for those things that the world may view as luxurious for black people when it's it's really not. For instance, here's an analogy. Here's the first analogy. Um, for those Christian listeners out there, um, there's a story in the Bible about uh, a woman who had, I think uh, in the Bible it's called two mites, which would... I guess be like equivalent to today's penny. She had two pennies um, and she couldn't find those, those pennies. And she did everything that she could to find those pennies. She tore her house upside down to find that penny to someone who has a lot of pennies. It's just pennies. It's not, it's not really worth much, but it was all she had. I, I kind of would assimilate those things that, that white people may view as black luxuries, I would I would just say that that those are not. That doesn't really answer that the question, answer question in totality. But, but that, was, that was like a that was like a bullet point. That was you. Yeah, you just. Yeah. So that was helpful. I think what you're saying is we one we have a misconception of what it's. We just have a misconception of what it's like to be y'all. Exactly. So that's yeah. what you're saying. How which we are learning that. But what do you, I think going back to my question is what does it feel like when people like me are like, I'm so uncomfortable and we need to talk about this. I I guess what, what makes me laugh is that, and, and again, it's not like, it's not like laughing at someone, um, but it's like, oh, oh, you're uncomfortable now and you're stressed because you're uncomfortable. I've been uncomfortable my entire life. My mother has been uncomfortable her entire life. My father has been uncomfortable his entire life and so on and so on. To be black is to, I think uh, Tanasi Coates said it best, to be black is to walk through the world or walk through America and and see people doing things that you cannot do as as freely or you cannot do without someone looking at you funny or wondering why it is that you're doing that. Simply because of the color of your skin for no other reason so when we say things like that like oh i'm uncomfortable 
I'm really anxious about talking about this. You're really like, ah, I really don't care. No, it's not a I really don't care. It's like, uh, oh, you're uncomfortable. Well, welcome to welcome, welcome to, to my, my world. world. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's helpful. And and <laughs> we're always uncomfortable about about race in America because that's what it is to be yeah. black is to be uncomfortable in this country at all times mm-hmm. and to be cognizant of the fact that. Like you really have to kind of keep your eyes open um, because at a moment's notice you take your guard off or, or you blink and you are either put down or you are discriminated against. Um, and it's just things that you always have to pay attention to. Yes. And you have to like, what I'm hearing is like, you have to be extra careful to like do the very, 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 very right thing. And not just like the right thing. Cause you can do the right thing and it's not right. Right. Enough. Right, right. There's there's no room for any gray area. Um, okay. With all that being said, I want you to talk about... I'm going to remind you of this analogy now. I want you to explain it. Because what you also said in that same conversation was... Well, you gave me the example of like you're doing a drill. Which I talked about this on the last episode. Oh, okay. And I probably didn't explain it as well as you did. But remember that you're doing a... You asked me something about art, but I was like, I don't do art. And you were like... Ooh, okay, so imagine you're at soccer practice and your coach gave you a drill. When I was talking about, like, I'm worried about saying the wrong thing. And you were like, you just need to freaking say it. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Will you explain that analogy? Yeah, Are you remembering sure. it? Okay. Yeah, somewhat, somewhat. Um, I can help you out with your so own. So I think what you're uh, referring to is, um, especially at this time in our country, with what happened in Minneapolis, um, the the murder of of George Floyd um, and Breonna Taylor prior to that and Ahmaud Arbery months prior to that. It kind of like woke this country up to like, okay, wow, we hear you guys. You've been saying this for years. Okay. And so kind of like what's going on at, at this stage is personally, I've had a lot of white people come to me and ask, you know, well, you know, I want to learn. I want to like be educated. You know, what can I do? And to your point, I think you asked me that very question. And I think my analogy with the drill was to, if I kept saying what I kept doing is being like, I have a lot of questions and you kept being like, ask me them. And I was like, I need to think about how I want to say this. Yeah. Yeah. Just ask. Here's, here's the thing. The, The only caveat to that is if you're, if your heart is truly curious and you want to know about about the black experience in this country, then go and ask. Do not be afraid because the topic is race or don't be afraid because you now realize that that black people have been hurt for so many years. Here's the thing you have to understand. Number one is if black people are experiencing any emotions about race, they have a right to experience those emotions. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're being approached um, by someone and and a white person is saying, I want to know your story. In a sense, you're asking, I want to know your trauma. Mm-hmm. They may not be ready to share that with you. Yeah. And once again, you also may be a trigger for their trauma and they might not be they might not be yeah. willing to share that with you at all. Yeah. But don't fret. Don't fear find someone else to ask continue to find someone else to ask and learn about different perspectives of 
of of black people in this country because it's so important. We're all different. And I think um, it's a disservice. It's always been annoying when I hear the words, the black community, as if we all think and feel the The same. same What I can tell you is that we're all treated the same way by this country, but we don't all think and feel the same. Mm-hmm. but we're we're definitely treated the same and um yeah does it does that i don't think you i talked didn't, about didn't i didn't talk about analogy. the drill at all i am sorry <laughs> i am sorry okay really quick really quick the drill yes it? i remember yes really quick here it is here it is everybody ready <laughs> we're ready ready here it is so when you are um honestly being inquisitive and honestly wanting to learn you know in in you don't want to be afraid to learn, right? When you are in a classroom, you have to ask questions. Throw your hand up, ask the teacher, mm-hmm. because the teacher can give you the best correction when you ask those questions, even if you are completely wrong, mm-hmm. right? And I think that we, even in the educational system, we've kind of like created this culture where people are ashamed people, for being people wrong. People are afraid to be wrong. Yeah. They got to be mm-hmm. right all the time. They got to be right. They got to be right. Even in, even in school, you go to school. Um, oh man, that kid asked the question and like he was right on target with what the teacher was saying. Oh, that, that kid's the smartest kid in the class. Yeah. Not necessarily. It's the kid who is thinking outside the box, asking the questions and kind of like going around to really, really learn the yeah. subject matter. Not the kid who's always pinpoint Doing. on target. Well, cause you still didn't, still say, didn't do, still, get to the analogy. But can I just do it? No, uh, let me do okay. it. I, I, I think are I can get, do it. Are you getting there? I, I, you I, forgot I'm what getting it was. there. I didn't forget. Okay. So here's the analogy. <laughs> when you are uh, learning soccer, right? Um, your coach gives you a drill and he wants you to do that drill as fast as possible or uh, game speed um, for those in the sports world. Game speed is... Um, this is exactly what it is. It's, like it's game, game speed, like you're in the game. You don't want to do anything slow. So get out there, ask those questions, uh, because you will learn better that way. Because if you don't mess it up, then you can't do it in the game, because then you're going to do it in the game, you're not going to have to practice it. Exactly. And there's no point of doing the drill. Exactly. Can I add to that? You can add whatever you want. Can I add to want. that? Just yes. really quick, really quick, for the listeners out there. <laughs> it's kind of like this. And we've all heard this, you know, this phrase before, like, I can't be racist. I have black friends. Yeah. Those black friends being one or two black friends or three or four black friends or five or six black friends. The point is, it is not enough. You can never have enough black friends because the 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 experience uh, is totally different how we feel is totally different so like yes you still might be racist with your four or five black friends your four or five black friends may be also afraid to tell you that you are racist or maybe afraid to tell you how they really feel about you not saying that they feel some type of way about you so check in on your black friends okay because <laughs> they actually you know probably do love you however um you can't like create 
create that sort of generalization. So like I entreat you, I implore you, implore you to get to know uh, as many different types of black people as possible. Well, I think what you're saying in that, that had nothing to do with the analogy. I just would point nothing. out, but I, I will. Well, it did. It did it have did. a lot to do with it. Actually. I don't get what, but okay. that's what you'll get it when okay. you listen to the podcast. again. Okay. <laughs> they get it. Okay. They get okay. It. But what I hear you saying in that though is I mean, a lot of people, I think the majority of white people would say, the majority of white people who would never admit that they're racist would say that like, oh, I have a black friend. I hired a black person. I did whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, so that means I'm not racist, but you're probably doing things that are racist that you don't realize that you're doing to, like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is one of the issues of nobody's like checked in with that. Yeah. We've never checked in that like okay what are you really thinking or what are you really feeling because just because you're not saying these things out loud doesn't mean that you don't have a bias in your head right that makes sense yeah uh it it makes perfect sense i would like to get into some of these questions that i've gotten from friends and clients and um people um on instagram and some of these questions i've asked you too I think. Okay. And so shout out to Instagram. Yeah. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll plug it, that at the end and in the beginning. Can I, can I you plug, can plug it, it yourself? Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm really not, you know, he's going to get a lot anything, of followers, anything gonna, major. But, you have four uh, pictures on your Instagram. I have four pictures. However, <laughs> however, my Instagram is at Paul P A U L the T H E Gator g-a-i-t-e-r yeah. we'll put it in the um, show notes too so people can um if you've got any questions we'll uh, regarding you. the podcast uh hit me up um slide into the dms and say hello <laughs> are you asking people to dm me? i'm not but i'm saying <laughs> if they have questions if they have questions regarding the subject Just matter the subject and they'd matter. like to reach okay. out to me okay. directly okay yes please feel okay. free my page is not private. This is all women that listen to this podcast mostly. You're going to get a lot of DMs. You always have a story. That's what you do have. You don't ever post anything, but you always do have a story. I, I do. Yeah, I do an Instagram story often. All right. Anyway, so you guys can go follow Paul, but let's get back to the point of this. This is, we're going to start out with this and you've kind of answered this somewhat. I would like to know how you individually are feeling in today's social climate with all, everything that's going on verse like in the past two weeks or maybe mm-hmm. in the past couple months versus what you've felt your whole life if anything has been sight heightened any emotions have been heightened or like numbed like just how are you feeling right now is what i'm asking you um for the first time i think i think i did say this to you um, when we talked um the other week for the first time in my life um I'm optimistic about this country for the first time. Mm. Um, it, I've never had this feeling before. That Sadly, like change it's is com- possible. R- right. That change is possible. Not complete change because I'm skeptical. I mean, yeah. come on. Um, but change is possible. Yeah. There's a, there's a chance for, um, I don't have any children of my own, but I've got three nephews and um, they're they're very young and there's a chance for them to grow up in a in a better America. Mm-hmm. There's a chance for their kids to grow up in a, in a better America. And um, I never would have said that five months ago or 
or yeah, I never would have said that a month ago. Uh, a month ago, no, mm. no, uh, I would have said it, it's it's not going to change. It's mm. going to always be the same, um, and it is what it is. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not going to say, all right, hey guys, watch out for this, watch out for that, and and teach them um, as much as possible. But I got a shot. Mm-hmm. We got a real shot, and I think that is as long as America has a shot. Uh-huh. Um, there's hope. I think that it is um, important to hear you say that because I think a lot of my perception of a lot of talking to my white friends is that they just think everybody's angry. And I think that they're missing the point that like a lot of people yeah, you're angry, but like also, yeah, hell hopeful. yeah, we angry. Yeah, okay, <laughs> but I'm also, mad as hell. yeah, but also, I think the other side of that is like I'm angry, but like in my because anger is like the justice emotion. So anger comes out when we're like, this is not right. Like we want to change. So like one, yeah. you should be angry, and they should be angry, and like I'm not, a, I so much because I'm a therapist and I deal with feelings all the time. I'm not so much afraid of anger. I love when people feel anger, but our society has been taught that anger is bad. But so I'm what I'm saying, anger is good. If we didn't have anger, then things would never change. And so I think that it's important to hear you say that, like, the first thing you said was, like, I am hopeful and optimistic. Yeah, I'm angry, and my anger's not going to go away until something is, has actually changed. But in my anger, I'm optimistic that there is opportunity. Yeah. And, I, and I'd say <laughs> it's funny. Um, it's, it's funny to, to hear that um, because that's another one of the things that that's that's a stereotype about black people period that they're always angry yes we are always angry you'd be angry too if you've been trying to tell the people that you live with in this country that something's going on and nobody's been listening listening to you for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years yeah anybody would be angry Mm -hmm. um it it like but the other thing is that anger came later. Yeah. Black people weren't always angry. Yeah. You know, we, we, we tried it in many different ways, um, with many different emotions prior to this point. At this point, black people are angry and tired and, and we're numb. They're not, there aren't very, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. What are the emotions that come after, um, well, okay, so someone is angry, is angry and numb. Okay, so well, you can be angry and numb at the same time because numb would take away the ability for you to feel angry. I hear what you're saying because you can have, when you get, it's almost like, what's the word? Um, when you get used to having a feeling, when you get used to something, it's like you don't feel anymore. Yep, that's the, you're, you're desensitized to your anger or to your whatever emotion yeah, is. So it's like, go. okay, I wake up and that's how I feel, so I don't notice that I feel it. So, it, I mean, we've done a lot of, talking on the podcast about attachment and like avoidance versus anxious attachment styles. Think about somebody who has an avoidant attachment, how they have, it's not that they got, you'll have to go back and listen to that episode, but these people hopefully will understand it. It's not that the avoidant attachment style that any of those people have um, become, they don't have needs anymore. It's that they've become numb to the needs because they had having them hurt them. And so this is this kind of the same thing. It's not that you don't aren't angry anymore or don't have this feeling anymore. It's that having that anger hasn't helped you and it hasn't done anything. And so 
you become desensitized to it. It's still there. Those needs are still there for the people with the avoidant attachment and the anger is still there for the people that have been mistreated. But I, what is the point of expressing it in this way? Because it hasn't helped me. And so that's why you, a lot of times it's like, this came out of nowhere. I think a lot of people feel that, but this didn't come out of nowhere This didn't come at out all. Of we just finally are listening to people talking and now that there's a space to talk, everybody is coming out of that desens- desensitized numbness. If that makes right. any sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes you? perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. So now the other thing that you were saying is you said like what comes after, what is interesting is anger is usually a secondary emotion. So you have a feeling and then anger comes on. Not always, but a lot of times anger isn't the initial, but anger in society, this goes kind of against what we're saying, is more accepted than feeling um, sad or mm-hmm. feeling scared. It's it's easier and it actually feels for a lot of people more powerful to be angry than to be fearful mm-hmm. or sad or have our feelings hurt. So I'm just going to get angry. Right. Right. Um, so there's probably a lot of things that come after feeling angry and it's not really that they come after. It's just that, okay, we peeled that anger part back and now we're opening up space for other things to be shown. Mm. So I would assume, and this is me assuming, so I, I shouldn't be assuming, but I'm going to, there's a lot of fear underneath the anger. Does that fit? Fear underneath the anger. So if anger is a feeling that comes on because it's more accepted in society and it's easier to feel than other emotions for you, does that make sense what I'm asking? No, because there are only certain emotions that black people have been allowed to feel in this country. Like what? Like... Anger ain't it. I can tell you that. Well, you've been allowed to feel it. We've just. No, no, I, I haven't. Like, what do you mean? I, well, I've been allowed to feel it because nobody can tell you that you can't feel something. But we judge something. you for it. But yeah, but, yeah. but I'm definitely judged for, for that. that because, I, okay, because. Because say, to white people, it looks scary. Yes. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Because I always say this all the time. It's like, you have the right to feel any feeling like you can't help what you feel, blah, blah, blah. But for you, when you've expressed anger, then you become the angry black man and people are afraid of you. Is that what you're saying? Right. Well, so you they're, can't, they're, they're afraid of me. Regardless. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Okay. So you can't actually express yourself the way you really want to, because there's already a preconceived judgment on you. And then that adds on top of yeah. the stereotype. Yeah. But when I'm angry, it's, it's perceived as, Oh, he's angry. Like, He's angry, so now he's unstoppable. It's almost like the Hulk. When yeah. the Hulk gets angry, it's like he's going to do something. He's bad. going to wreck the the world. Yeah, right. Which is like so fucked up because what? Again, going back, like anger is that justice emotion. So if we're not allowing you guys to be angry, we're also saying that we're not allowing you guys to say this is not okay and this is not right. Exactly. Okay, that came full circle. So. That's fucked up, and you should let anybody, regardless oh, you of can the color, here? you can say whatever you want. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all about to really get to know me now. <laughs> Y'all about to really get to know me now. What I was going to say is you should let anybody feel their anger. Because I can get angry, and nobody gets scared of me when I'm angry. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, okay. So that leads into so many other things. Yeah we would probably have answered some of them one that like 
I mean, I feel annoying asking this. And I don't know that I've asked this, but you have answered this to me. I might have asked it. But everybody is wondering, as a white person, what are we supposed to do now? Right? Now that we're like, okay, they're finally woken up. Like, they're most, not most, there are a number of people who are finally, like, realizing what white privilege is, what it has done to oppress black people, xyz and now we're like okay now what do we do yeah because it is our job great question yes use your privilege number one do not i'll I'll tell you what not to do do not just continue to view black people in america as a charity case like we don't need pity okay like like you can feel sorry for us you can you can feel sad all of that that's wonderful um however since we're not allowed to be angry what you can do is be angry for us Mm. and because when y'all get angry (laughs) somebody listens Mm -hmm. right especially white women you guys have first of all i would disagree with that well you may but hear me out because out. we're uh, I will say that when women get angry there there's a lot of things that are said about that oh yeah yeah d- definitely definitely but let me say this to to all the all the women out there because these are all women women you guys run the world okay um can we insert some applause here uh, I don't have that effect, but okay. I think Everyone everybody's d- cheering. Just saying, right there, give Hell yourselves. Hell yeah, Paul! I'm gonna get, follow you yeah. on Instagram now. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Go, go you right just ahead. got yourself give, some followers. Give, give your <laughs> no, no. I, and I, no, I, you mean I that. truly, I truly mean that, yeah. and I truly believe that women possess a power that that men do not. Especially when y'all organize and get together as women, it it, it cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped. Um, Right now, there's there's a even a, a political power shift or political paradigm shift mm-hmm. um, with women in politics. And I mean, you guys have stuff to say, things to say. Yeah. Um, but again, like. Um, but I will say my experience as a woman mm-hmm. is when I have big emotions like that, I am dramatic or I'm like emotion too emotional. And so we have to be careful of how Paul's chewing that ice was right the now. Ice, I'm sorry. Um, we have to be careful of how we have a lot of good things to say. And I think in some areas, finally, people are listening to us, too. But we have to be careful of how we express ourselves, too, because if we're too mad or too sad or too whatever, we have to be very poised. Else people are like, she's dramatic and unstable. Let me let me say this. It was. And. Some people might disagree with me on this, but, and I, and I wasn't alive during this time. Okay. But it was white women that it was white women's anger and empathy that caused the civil rights act to be passed because it was not until white women who were mothers saw how police and uh, America were treating children mm-hmm. right Th- the motherhood in them was like oh hell no mm-hmm. right 
white women got angry, right? There were no women in politics back then, mm-hmm. okay? So just imagine all of these men going home and their wives were like, you're not getting none tonight. <laughs> you can go make yourself a peanut butter, butter and jelly sandwich because those were the times back then. And um, matter of fact, I'm not cooking for the next five weeks. Feed yourself. Feed your damn self. Mm-hmm. You ain't getting shit. Yeah. Best believe that Civil Rights Act happened quickly. Now, of course, in conjunction with the fact that um, black people were fed up and we were like, mm, nope, we're going we're gonna to make some stuff happen, too. We're going to burn these cities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to uh, watch where we spend our money. But in, con- in conjunction, and we had already been doing that for years. For years, first of all. But now you have like um, a, But now that added that exactly that that um that camaraderie um that and that feeling that white women felt back then, it was very silent. It's very silent, but but you can go research it. So um, it definitely helped helped a whole lot. So then with that, what what would you say that like white women can do right now? What I know we can do is educate ourselves and read and have conversations and do all of that. Besides that, what are you what are we supposed to do? Is that the right way to ask that? What do you need us to do? I would say be mindful with with where you spend your money. All right? Now it's it's pretty easy to kind of follow the 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 paper trail of money. Mm-hmm. Um and you kind of know who's being funded by who, where all this money is going, where it's not going, because they're in- intentional about it. For mm-hmm. instance, we live in Nashville, right? So there was a big to-do just a few days ago about the amount of money that was in the budget for Metro Police Department and the lack of money that was in the budget for Metro Nashville Public Schools. Mm-hmm. That is a huge problem. I think Metro National Public Schools was, I, I'm I'm probably wrong in this estimate, but I think it was around two million for the budget for no for idea. for the year, and um, I believe the police department was about either seventeen million or thirty five million. It's it's something outrageous. It's something outrageous because Nashville wants to purchase a new helicopter or two new helicopters for for the police department, so on and so on. And Metro Nashville Public Schools gets this. Yeah, I work in Metro Nashville Public Schools, and there are th- uh, almost three thousand kids at the school that I work at alone. Okay, we're still kind of in up in the air with this pandemic. Yeah, these kids are not learning anything because they don't have access to internet they don't have access to computers computers they don't have access to all those things so we're kind of as as a school system trying to figure out well what the hell are we going to do with two million dollars and all of these kids who not not only do they not have access to uh to all this stuff some of these kids don't eat all day Let's just, let's just go with the food alone. Yeah. The only meals that they ever get come from the school, and I see it every day. I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm in the building. These kids come in, they're hungry, and they cannot wait mm-hmm. until those terrible school lunches they, that they get come around because they haven't eaten 
since lunch the previous day. So it, it, it's a great travesty what's going on, not just in Nashville, but in, in this country with where money is going. So I would say yes, white men, white to white women, um, pay attention to where your money goes and who it goes to and what they do with it. Yeah. Uh, because it greatly affects your community in which you live in. Well, and I think what you're talking about is this, like the systemic part. Let's say this pandemic goes, what, let's say these kids don't go back to school. I don't really know what's happening, mm-hmm. but if these kids don't go back to school the next semester, well, the ones that are in homes that don't have access to all of this stuff, whether it's a computer or, or they have a computer, they don't have internet or whatever. And they, I mean, they don't have food, let alone, they're not going to be worried about getting right. on their computer, yeah. but so then they're not being educated and that's not their fault either. It's like, what are they supposed to like go out? It's what? not. So, yeah. so what do we, what do we, what do we do? These kids, the years are still passing by. They're so still they're growing up. They're going to be 18 soon. Right. Yeah. So they're going to be adults and they're not going to have the means r- 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 to get yeah, out of the like, spot that they're in. Forget like, college. And people, you know, yeah. some people may say, well, they got to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And that, well, no, they don't even have straps on their boots, first of all. Well, and it's like survival, though. Like my if we're doing survival, my first thought is not going to be like, oh, I need to go somewhere and get Internet so I can do the science project. It would be like, I need to figure out how to freaking get food for me and my brother. So that's, they're not thinking that. And I think that that's what people are. A lot of times I think they don't they don't look at the whole picture of what is happening. They see, oh, they chose that. They chose not to do that. They chose they didn't work hard enough for that. And it's like, okay, but survival, like nobody's thinking about their grades when they have to worry about like food, water, shelter. Right. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. What's what's, honestly ask yourself this question. We're going to leave a pause here for you to answer it. Um, Let's say you're 17 years old. And you didn't eat yesterday and you have the opportunity to get a construction job or a job as an essential worker at a grocery store um, in the middle of a pandemic and risk your life, possibly um, getting sick. Um, Let's say you have to choose between that or um, trying to find Internet to go to school. What do you do? Remember, you haven't eaten. Well, I would be going to work. Right. Yeah. I think most of us would. Well, I think that people can grab onto that idea because we're in a world it's like immediate gratification anyway. So even if you don't, if you're like, well, I can't relate to that. You can relate to a lot of experiences where you're like, we talk about this all the time. Um, on the podcast and even me with clients of slow equals fast. And so if you think about the idea of you can put all of this work, really, 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 really excruciating work, hard work, going to therapy and learning these new coping skills to take care of whether it's an addiction or an eating disorder or whatever. And you have to sit in the process of being in a lot of pain for a period of time for those coping skills to work. Or you can go do drugs or use one of your eating disorder behaviors. Most people are going to choose to go do drugs or go use one of their eating disorder behaviors because it's instant gratification. Instant. And so this is a different 
I mean, this is way different, but the same idea that goes on in the brain. It's like, okay, I can go get my needs met like this. They're not like doing, they're not using drugs or doing something in that area, but like I can go get my needs met and make money so I can feed my family. Or I can like sit through this pain of hunger while I'm going to school for four more years. Like it's the same kind of concept. And I think that's where people are like, you make choices and they make choices. And that person brought themselves up from nothing. And it's like, it's, it's not that it's not that easy, but it is in our heads easy because right. working hard for us has been easy. Yeah, like yeah. I will say, I worked really hard through school for multiple reasons, all through like elementary school to grad school. But working hard was very easy because I never had to worry about anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I have a shit ton of student loans, but like I'm also not worried about paying them. Like I'm can pay them, and they might follow me till I die. But like, it's not like I don't have money to go get my basic needs met. Yeah. So yeah. I've had the space to be able to work hard, but some people don't have that option because they have to survive. And then you have to be black on top of that. Yes. Yeah. Which I can't shit relate to that, but like shit ain't easy. Yes. Okay. My life has been pretty easy. Very easy. Which I want to say this because this is something that gets on my nerves or has been getting on my nerves is people like saying that like us saying one saying you having having white privilege means you're a bad person or having white privilege takes away from your hard work. One is doesn't make you a bad person. You can't help it. You can't help it. We were born and it was given to us because we're white. You can't help it. But also it doesn't take away your hard work. However. Like you, I've worked really hard in my life. However, somebody who is black, probably any person of color, truly, if we're going to be honest, would have to work harder than me to get where I am. Doesn't mean I didn't work hard and it doesn't mean I don't deserve what I have, but anybody else to get in my shoes, if they were not white, would have to jump through many more hoops. Does that make sense? And do you agree with that? I completely agree. I would say look at white privilege more as a talent than just a thing. It's like talent was just given to you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You're you're born with it. Great. Mm -hmm. Great. Now cultivate it. Yeah. Great. You've cultivated it. Now, what are you going to do with that talent? Are you going to keep that talent to yourself or are you going to share that talent to make the world better? Better. That's good. I mean, you Mm -hmm. ain't never seen a U-Haul following behind a hearse, right? No. No. I don't get it. Like, you use your privilege, you get all of this stuff. I say all of this stuff, but like, you become successful. What have you done now? Right. You're you have done. Shit with you me. have done yeah. nothing. Yeah. You are going to die just like me, and you cannot take it with you. Yeah. But what you can do is create Use a it. legacy. Yeah. So, do you want to be forgotten when you die? Or I mean, you may not care right now because you're just so young and free. Now, I, I was going to say you're just so surrounded by your success and oh. everything's great right now. But are you that, talking about me? Not you, oh, not you. Sorry. When I say when I say you, you, you as in like we're, we're talking about like white privilege right now. So like, okay, 
you've used your white privilege, you've cultivated the privilege or talent in this analogy, and That's you're good. successful. Yeah. What are you going to do now with that success? Yeah, I really like that. I haven't heard somebody say that. Boom. 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 Um, okay. This goes. This is another question. Um, Paul the Gator on Instagram. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> Count how many times you say it. Um, okay. What? When are we supposed to speak up, and when are we not? When are we supposed to name the elephant in the room when it comes to white privilege, diversity, or lack of diversity? And when are we like not supposed to say anything? Does that make sense? That question. Like, when is it annoying? If it's ever annoying. Stop laughing at me. <laughs> That's a good question. Okay. It's just, it's funny because I'm, I'm hearing you say this and I'm like, I'll just answer it. Here it okay. is. Here's the answer. You guys ready? Uh-huh. Ready. All right. That was you guys saying ready. <laughs> um, it's never annoying. Mm-hmm. You're always supposed to say something. Right is right. Wrong is wrong speak out against it well okay but i but i'm wondering too which i think the point of this person's question is when do you not want somebody to stand up and say oh i noticed you're the only black person here like does that make sense that's what i think this person is okay so someone has said that to me before (laughs) and i've been like okay because i'm still the shit regardless now guys listen i am not vain i am not Are vain you? i'm not i'm not but like that's how you have to yeah think being black i have so often been the only black person in my school well i've gone to both black and white schools growing up but, but do you want somebody to say like hey like i notice you're the only black person here and like what's that like for you i'm really sorry do you want people to say that? Yeah, if they okay. want to know what it's like. Now, okay. granted, again, I may not be in the mood. So say, if yeah. I'm not in the mood, don't assume that you can't ask, ask another black person or that you can't ask me later. Yeah. I think that's important to... Don't, yeah, don't assume that I'm just a jerk because I don't want to talk about it. I may not want to talk about it. Yeah. The black experience is traumatic. Understand that. Always understand that it is traumatic. So as white people are are being inquisitive and learning it is not always going to be received well because it is a traumatic experience Mm -hmm. you guys are all trying to be therapists right now and that's wonderful Mm -hmm. we will some will tell you some will not just understand that that's that's the way that it is Mm -hmm. and if they don't it's fine they don't have to Mm -hmm. right because they're hurt and they're yeah. And and you also have to understand that your whiteness may be a trigger, right? Like literally PTSD. Mm-hmm. Someone who like may look like you or may sound like you or may have the same color eyes or something like that. You may have done something to them in their past and said something and they may have walked the same, whatever, may have been wearing the same style of clothing. And then, boom, now you get, like, this kind of jaded response from them, and, and like, your feelings may be hurt. Mm-hmm. You got to be patient. You got to be patient. Yeah, and I think we what we talked about um, the other day was, like, the generational trauma. And so 
I think yeah. also what I, is important for us to remember is, yeah, I think that we forget or we don't forget. We just don't don't know that there is un unresolved, unopened, untouched, unnoticed trauma going on and being held inside of the body of every single black person. I think I can say that mm-hmm. like every single they might not every single black person might know that they have that but it's there and what we know about every person has that that's well, yeah. not a well, that's not a uh a, a, a well, yes thing. but but i think what i'm saying this in regards to like white people traumatizing black people mm-hmm. and so I, I think that i mean human the human body is like crazy and very smart and what it can do is it can shut off certain parts of the brain and hide feelings and events um, for a period of time, sometimes ever in your body, but your body remember your body cannot forget certain things. And so right. a lot of our trauma, most of our trauma is not stored in our brain. It's stored in our body. And so we have to remember that, especially when it comes to this topic, because us asking a question, looking at somebody a certain way, saying something a certain way could be a trigger that is almost opening up and like twisting this like can open that they didn't know existed and also they didn't ever really maybe want to open up and so what is happening right now is a lot of people's trauma is coming out right now and not everybody has the means to process it either i think that's also a problem i mean Mm -hmm. that's a problem problem anyway with the um, ability for people to get help when it comes to mental health but we have to remember like this is this is a sensitive subject for multiple multiple reasons right, and it's right. not just what's happening right now it's what has happened to people that lived hundreds of years ago right and also there's not a lot of education on generational trauma and people don't understand that and so there's a lot not. of people don't realize what's happening when they are being triggered or their can is being opened up and right. so i do think that's something to, for us to take into account of white people yeah sometimes it's personal but sometimes it is not personal and you just need to have your own feelings and like walk away and take breath right done i'm done with that that was no (laughs) that was that was brilliant Um, um thank you um i was looking up something uh i kind of wanted to talk about the generational trauma really quick and i really just wanted to point out and for people who are like what is generational trauma generational trauma is trauma has been passed down through the experiences of ancestors that can be your grandmother that can be your mom or that can be somebody that you've never met before Mm -hmm. but again trauma is held in our body so the way that we deal with the things that have been done to us are come out in anxiety and depression in our feelings how we process feelings and so that is passed down like through the womb mother to child and if somebody has something unprocessed or something has some somebody yeah unprocessed it's going to be those the way that the coping skills and how they've dealt with that is going to be passed down mm-hmm. um does that make sense yeah okay and i think the the official term is transgenerational trauma sure i, th- I think um i was going to try to find a study um or the study that that i had heard about can't remember who did it i'll i'll find it later and maybe we can kind you of can it, just talk it about it and notes. if it's if it's you mess something up in the outro i'll correct it okay um no uh there was there was a study done um and basically they i think it was i can't remember if it was done with um 
mice or a fish or some some other um, laboratory animal. But essentially, there were, let's say, uh, a mouse, um, every time it goes to get water, it receives a shock every time it goes to get water from from this specific water bowl. But there's another water bowl on the other side of, of, of the container. So they get a shock. Eventually, the mouse knows not to go to that water bowl to get its water. Going to go to the other one. Uh, fast forward, that mouse um, mates and has... Mice. Mice. Little baby mice. Baby mice. Those baby mice have other baby mice and so on and so on. I think the study was done like four generations later in mice and they took the mice out of the, the, the cage that they were in altogether. However, several generations down, none of those mice drank from that water bowl. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Mm-hmm. Right? The trauma that was in great, great, great grandfather mm-hmm. mouse mm-hmm. Even though he's dead and gone. And he didn't tell them about it. Was passed all the way to great, 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 great grandson, Mouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so he's like, mm, no, not going to go get shocked because mm-hmm. there's trauma over there. Mm-hmm. Well, because trauma restructures your brain. Yeah. So, I mean... Obviously, if they're descendants of that mouse, their brain is a de- like that is going to be passed down some way. And so I think that's what I want you guys to hear in that is that like trauma rewires the mm-hmm. way people respond, act, feel, think. What would you like to say? Paul's raising. His yes. Hand. Pick me. I'm picking you. You're the only one here. Really quick. Yeah. Racism was not just traumatic for black people. Hear me when I say this. This is a big one. Racism was not just traumatic for black people. Okay. Slavery was not just traumatic for black people. What did that trauma do to white people who in their nature were not racist or in their nature Mm. were not interested in owning slaves? Ah, well, there was success and wealth and you were viewed as this and this and this and the racist culture in slavery has also conditioned white people to automatically assume that they are better or that they are this whatever so let me let me be clear when i say this racism it is not just a black issue it's not just a black trauma it is a white trauma too but in a different way and it is something that white people need therapy on just as much as black people when you talk about you want to see what you can do and you want to unlearn some things you're going to have to unlearn some things from your families from generations ago and that you don't realize are there so pain that is and it's so painful that that was a good point to add thank you i'm glad you i'm glad you raised your hand because that is um something i see every single day at work but that is going to be it it it's painful for that's why part of the reason white people don't want to do the work is it's painful and like they don't really have to and they well right they don't 
but they truly. But we do have to. But they truly feel that when. So when a white person says, "I'm not racist," I truly believe, believe that them. you feel like you are not racist. However, you can't your, help it that you are. Your great 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 granddaddy was, uh-huh. and now this is in you. Also, your great 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 grandmother on your mom's side and your uncle and your whatever 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 your neighbors like they all were you may not be you may not be but you have been immersed in racist culture in a positive way for you Mm -hmm. and you may not think that you are racist Mm -hmm. but it's in there Mm -hmm. and you've got to do the work to get it out and what I would like to say is in that you're going to have to bump up against a lot of shame. It's going to be scary. Yeah, it's going to you have to bump up so much shame because what I have heard over and over is a lot of white people don't want to have these conversations because if they have these conversations, then they are going to be doing just that. They're going to have to be looking at like, what, what did I do or what did I think? And that people don't want to think that they're bad people. And what you are not saying is that these that white people are all bad people that's not no, what you're saying that's not at and all and that's not what that's not what i would ever be saying either i i'm saying that like we become i don't think well i would never say that like unless you're an actual sociopath like a bad person but what becomes poor behavior and um is when you are open up to this idea and you refuse to look at it because you don't mm-hmm. want to feel bad yeah. Because we all need at some point, like guilt is one of the emotions that helps us actually act within our, our moral compass. And mm-hmm. so we should be feeling guilt and like, good, we feel guilt. What are we going to do with it? Like, right. how do we get back in line? And so I do think that was an important thing for you to say. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I, I didn't want to leave the conversation like without saying that. Yeah. And I, I had to interrupt yeah. you to, to bring that up. No, right I, at that I point enjoyed that. Cause that's. That's, um, that's major. That's I major. enjoyed that. Well, so there were some other questions, but I don't really feel like they're necessary to talk about because I think this was good. And this was a lot of information. So I, I imagine a lot of people listening to this and having to like listen to it like, a, okay, I'm going to listen to half of this. Then I'm going to go like sit in my feelings and then maybe I'll get back to it next week. And like, that's okay with anything. And if you have to listen to it twice, that's okay. Yeah. If you are not feeling feelings that are uncomfortable right now, then you need to go like, I really don't know what you need to do, but yeah. you probably need to go back and listen to this again. You are doing something right. If you are feeling some kind of emotion right now while listening to this, if you are feeling uncomfortable while listening to this, you are doing something right. So that is just my encouragement. And I think what we can do is some of the things that Paul mentioned talking and asking the questions and not taking things personally when they're not about you looking at where your money is being spent, educate yourself um, do the drill full out. Yeah. Do the, do the drill. <laughs> um, do the drill. <laughs> did you ever actually explain? You did explain it. Yeah. Okay. It just uh, took a while terribly, to get there. Terribly. Um, anyway, so yeah. And we could have more conversations like this if we need to, if you guys have more questions, send them in or you can, again, can DM Paul. He's yeah, looking for your DM. No, and, and I mean that seriously. Yeah. Um, listen, I'm a, I'm a black man and, Right now, I'm at a place in in my own 
in my own trauma where I am willing to help. Mm-hmm. I am willing to 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 dialogue um, because it's the only way that, you know, this stuff is going to come out um, is if you and I talk. Um, mm-hmm. So hit me up. Let's talk. Um, I, I meant to do this at the beginning of the yeah. show, actually. Um, we can go back and add it. Well, okay, we can go back and add it, but you guys don't know what I look like. And I want you guys to, you you know that I'm black, you know my color, but you don't know what I look like. I want you to take a few seconds and imagine, like, go ahead and create an image of me in your head of what I look like and Based on your voice and knowing that you're a black man? Based on my voice and knowing that I'm a black man. I actually wish you would have asked this question, actually, so that they could create create an image of me before they heard me talk at all. They just know that I'm a black man. I can and do I, that. And I wonder what... You know what, Just Paul, for what them. I want to know what images they create. <laughs> just for them. I know. Because the images may be like... Listen. A, an image of like something that they're afraid of. Listen right? what we're going to do. We're going to keep this in there. In the intro, I'm going to pose that question. So now okay. you guys are hearing how this all came about. But, okay, so in the intro, I'm going to ask them to imagine what you look like based yeah. on just knowing you're a black man because they're not going to have heard your voice yet. Or do you based want them on, to wait and you hear can, your voice? You can say that that I'm, yeah, you can say that I'm a black man and that I am, I'm a black man and I'm 6'1". We'll okay. just leave it at that. Okay. Wait, what do you want them to think about? So now we're come full circle. So what is the image that you had of Paul? They still don't know what you look like. They still don't know what I look so like. So what, what do you want them to have think to go about? To my Instagram to find out. Oh, is that um, why? No, you that's want? not. That's oh not why. God. That's not why. Listen, listen, listen. That's not why. The purpose of this. The purpose of this was the purpose of the <laughs> purpose. Like, the purpose. <laughs> they're like, ah, oh, we got duped. There it is again. No, listen, listen. Hear me out. The purpose of this was the image that you created of what you thought I might look like. I would I want you to do some soul searching and ask yourself is am I afraid of this image? Because some of you may have seen me before in, you know, I don't know if, you know, all of you are Do you want me to ask that question Nashville, in the beginning? But, but like yeah, okay. but in but in all seriousness, um like some of you may have seen me before. Um, I don't know, at the mall, at the grocery store, because I'm a member of your community and you may have been afraid. And you're not scary. Right. I'm not. not, Well, I can be. You can be scary. But I mean, who can't? Everybody can't. has that ability, I think. Can I be scary? (laughs) You've never been afraid of me. Not when uh, I get uh, upset. uh, I I haven't really seen you upset. Per se, you've seen me, but I mean, you're how you're how tall? Five three. I, I, I wouldn't listen. Short people can like fuck some things up, right? But again, like based on like you know my okay. my background and right. what I you've did, you've never emotionally not, been scared of me. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that means either. <laughs> but no, thank you, Paul, for coming and talking to us. It's been a pleasure. I'm, Was I'm it a pleasure? Happy. Yeah. Do you want to come back? We can do it again. Um, There may be more questions. Um, So if you guys want to do a a part two. We can do a part two. You can do a part two. You can do a part two. two. Well, thank you. And if you do have questions, um, you can DM me or you can DM Paul. You can. At Paul the Gator. 
Yeah, I'll plug you again. That's like the fourth time. I have the, a Twitter too, Entre. but like, I don't really get on Twitter. I, well, I use Twitter for. I'm a football coach. So I use Twitter for for. Uh, Would you like to give them your Twitter account? No. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye, guys. All right. There you have it. Uh, my conversation with Paul. I hope you guys enjoyed got something out of that conversation like we said if there are things that are coming up for you please 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 don't hesitate to reach out and share and start your own conversations as well Uh, I think Paul really means it when he says that you can ask him some questions remember you can go follow him say one more time at Paul the Gator P-A-U-L-T-H-E-G-A-I-T-E-R And as always, you can follow me at Three Chords Therapy and then follow the podcast, please. That is at Uni Therapy Podcast. Again, we are so open to doing another one of these conversations if we need to. And the other thing is I'm not pretending or acting as if I have it all figured out. I'm in the process of learning as well. And I think when it comes to this kind of subject and really anything, really anything, we never stop learning. And there's the, I forgot what it's called. It's some shift world shift the more you start to learn about things the more you realize how much you don't know and so I think that's where a lot of us are in our process so again if you have any questions comments email us dm us message us we would love to hear that and um last thing as always if you can rate comment and subscribe to the podcast that would be amazing when you do that it actually helps other people find the podcast better so it's not I don't really I mean I do get something out of it because more people are finding the podcast, but we want as many people to be able to find this podcast as possible. Also, if you post or share this on Instagram, tag us so we know that you guys are listening and loving it. Like we want to know when it's being shared as well um, because we want to stay as close to you guys as we can. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a really good week and I will be back in two more Mondays. expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one or home to vibes like this and this it might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like whoa and hmm. not to mention we have one of the top zoos in the country so can a city with the country's best pro soccer team ranking as a top culinary destination in the world be in your own backyard yes Columbus plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Boston Proper is for women who love distinctive style in styles that don't define them. Boston Proper designs are unique and made to fit flawlessly. Confident women wear Boston Proper as an expression of who they are with chic, polished styling and unforgettable looks that get noticed anytime, every day, and on any occasion. When you want that certain something in everything you wear, wear Boston Proper. Shop at bostonproper.com and wear it like no one else.